0: welcome to the volatile weekly podcast this is episode four of the volatile podcast this week i spoke with christopher griffiths we had a great conversation and i'm sure that you will enjoy it as well hello and welcome to the podcast uh today we have uh christopher griffiths on here and um Christopher, please tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Oh, well, um, I appreciate you getting my last name right. Usually people knock off the S, which is its really nice. It's very understanding of you. Um, I'm a Michigan-born musician, bass player, producer. Uh, and I work out of Nashville. And I play for a bunch of different artists. But I also am making records right now for myself. And I have one coming out uh, March
0: 30th. Awesome. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about that. So, so you said you grew up in uh, Michigan, right? Yeah. So, uh, do you feel like, uh, you know, growing up in Michigan and now being in, in uh, Nashville has really, um, uh, taken an, uh, an impact into your music?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Michigan, uh, it's such a land of extremes, like uh, the weather's very extreme and uh, all the different jobs or it's either uh, you know, you either drive through one part of it and it's $1.6 million beach homes. And then the rest of it looks like they show you on TV, you know, so um, the music's very extreme up there. It's very emotionally driven, even the original music. It's not the, it's not for profit, you know, it's bands like the MC5 and Iggy Pop and Alice Cooper, Ted Nugent. Um, to a lesser extent in my life Eminem um so but then moving to Nashville and seeing the refined art of writing a song and seeing the refined art of making a recording that's uh professional and pleasing to the ear and and uh you know in like in Michigan I would write a song and show it to my band and we'd all work on it together now here I I tend to have 10 11 songs done a week um just because uh Nashville's made me so much more professional. I don't know. What I'm trying to do is like balance the raw emotion of a Michigan musical childhood with the professionalism of a Nashville adulthood. <laughs>
0: hmm. Well, that's good. I mean, it, it sounds like uh, two totally different environments to to be in.
1: It really is.
0: Um, also, uh, from what I understand, you went to a uh, uh, Berkeley College of Music.
1: I did. I did go there. What was that like? It's um, it's pretty wild. Uh, on my, on my floor in my dorm, there were at least two Grammy winners, at wow. least, that I know of. Huh. Um, Natalie Stovall was on there from the country world. Um, Annie Clark, who went on to do Saint Vincent, was there. Esperanza Spalding, was there. Hiromi uh, Oihara. So Ruthie Collins. So like being around people constantly doing music, doing nothing but focusing on music. They don't have day jobs. They don't have, they're not working at the hot dog stand. They're not really dating per se. Like being around that makes you really up your game. And I would say the jump between me just coming from where I was coming from and going to Berkeley and constantly playing with people who who are better than me, which can be a really tough blow to the ego, (laughs) um, you know, made me a lot better it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool environment it's, it, it is what you make it you know if you, if you don't do the work you' you're probably not going to get much out of it. but I loved it. I thought it was great.
0: Mm-hmm. So you said that uh, you played with uh, a bunch of uh, artists over the years? I have. Um, any uh, that kind of stand out that, that made a difference uh, in your life?
1: Well, um you know the Keith Anderson gig was pretty cool when I was doing that. Um, you know, he had that song wildflowers and every time I hear your name, both great songs, that was a fun tour. And then, uh, uh Crystal Shawanda was kind of my first major label when we were with Doc McGee's management company. And I wanted to ask Doc all the questions about kiss and Motley Crue until he just got annoyed. And then, um, yeah, those two were cool. Uh, I produced Tara Lynn Fister's record. That was kind of the first record I ever produced. So that one sticks out in my head um, Anthony Oreo. I mean, I did 10 years with that guy. The one I'm doing right now is, is Will Hogue. And he's like a roots songwriter Springsteen ish kind of thing. And, uh, that one is, uh, one of the best decisions I've ever made. I just love working with that guy. His writing is incredible. He's a great bandmate. He's a great boss. And working for him frees up time for me to do things like, record records in my house and uh and i could i i, I can be honest and say that if it wasn't for him i wouldn't have had the uh stability to make it through the quarantine he's a he was uh that one's probably my favorite favorite uh, hmm. artist gig uh
0: uh two questions um uh, first one uh i see that you won a a juno award re- with uh crystal shonda Yeah. What was that like?
1: Oh, um, it was actually really kind of funny because I had stopped touring with her and then her husband called me and was like, will you come write with Crystal? Will you come record a song? I said, yeah, sure. So I went and wrote the song with her. She really liked it. So she ended up recording it. I ended up playing on it. Ended up doing all this, this work, you know, and ended up playing on a couple more songs. So I ended up working on that record fairly extensively, um, me and some other musicians. So then, uh, you know, months and months later, I was going on a writing retreat with my two buddies who are pretty prolific songwriters and have a tendency to kind of talk to me like I'm not on their level. They don't mean to, but they, they do because they moved to Nashville as songwriters and I moved to Nashville as a musician and kind of became a songwriter uh, at the Nashville level. So when we were riding in the car together, they were saying, what makes a great Nashville song or what would get the most attention? And I said, guys, let's just have a couple of beers or write some songs. They're like, well, that's fine for you. But they are kind of being condescending. I said, OK. And my phone went off. It was a text saying, hey, we want a Juno. Thank you for all your hard work on this record. And I went, OK, guys, well, I'm the only award-winning songwriter on this car. <laughs> so maybe let's just do what I want to do sometimes, just sometimes, but, uh, so I let my head swell for about seven minutes, then back down to earth, but, uh, it was, it was interesting, you know, I think most musicians are the same in that when it comes to awards, they say, I don't care, I do not care, I don't care about awards, I don't write these things for awards, until they get one, and then they're like, oh, well, I'd like to thank my parents and God, like, you know, it's just, uh, you got to take that minute and kind of appreciate the moment i guess
0: mm-hmm. yeah it, it sounds like it, it really kind of flips your mind there for for a minute
1: just for a second yeah
0: mm-hmm. um now you, you also uh mentioned uh uh you, you know your time during this uh pandemic um and um uh that's what what has that been like how, how has it impacted you
1: Well, I'm a lot better cook uh, than when it started, and um, I think I gained like 25 pounds, so that wasn't that cool, but musically, um, I have been slowly kind of building a studio at my house to do work at home because, um, you know, spending anywhere between $400 and $900 on a studio just to do a couple tracks has always been kind of a bummer. Uh, and a reality of it if you don't have a home studio. So I was slowly building a home studio before the pandemic. So when uh, all my tours got canceled, all my gigs got shut down, I decided to concentrate on, on building out the studio and I bought a bunch of equipment and used equipment I found. And uh, so once I set it all up, I figured the best way to learn how to use it is to make uh, some songs. So I started doing a subscription-based thing where I, I sent people my song. They sent me a couple bucks on Venmo. And then I moved from that to making an EP, which was my midlife pop crisis EP, which is a funny little collection of songs. And by that time I was starting to get pretty prolific at using this stuff. So I took a shot and I made a whole six song record and I, I made the music very personal to me. Um, but without all that, you know, without the the pandemic, Not that the pandemic's this great thing, but I probably wouldn't have taken the time to concentrate on it. Um, You know, I just, I was so kind of uh, set back by all the, uh, by the quarantine, by the canceling of everything that I knew that I'd go crazy if I didn't make good use of my time. I feel like I did.
0: It it sounds like you did. I I mean, yeah. uh,
1: And I beat like a bunch of video games. You wouldn't even believe how many video games I've beaten.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, what, What kind of games do you play?
1: All right, so like right now, I'm working on Final Fantasy VII, but I beat all the other Final Fantasies available for PS4. Wow! I beat Cyberpunk. I beat Grand Theft Auto, though that's not really the kind of game you beat. You just you just keep playing it and playing it. It just goes off into the ether. I beat The Witcher. I beat uh I got like 700 Madden seasons. The Detroit Lions are undefeated for the past 20 years in my in my PS4. Hmm. Um NHL, I got a bunch of them. I really didn't have anything to do last
0: April. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, I wish I would have had time to play video games. My, my life has uh, um, been kind of crazy. I, I work in a medical facility, so there's, uh, wasn't really a shutdown for me. So, um no,
1: you, uh, you're one of the essentials.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, um, I don't want to sound flippant when I'm talking about video games. I appreciate, uh, what you do. And, uh, Mm-hmm. And my wife works for a dental office. She was also one of the essentials. Mm-hmm. So um, just for me, you know, I'm finding things to take up my time because I tend to go crazy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, I think that's kind of awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you said something.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, to, to me, it's interesting, um, you know, asking people uh, about how this it's uh, going over a year now uh, pandemic has really Uh, impacted them and um, and you know with the bad there has been a lot of good that's come from it Uh, and you you just hear more and more about it like every day and I I really like you know in in your specific case here you know how it it helps you find the time to you know um, take your mind off of the music uh, and do something a little different you know, with the plan of the video games, as well as, you know, working on all of this music.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I built a whole studio. I built a at least a $9,000 studio in my house. And I, we did a bunch of home projects. We worked on the house a bunch. I built, I can garden now. Like I really took every chance I could get to do some self-improvement because that's all you can really do in these things. You know, is, is find some time to, to work on you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, with this album that you put together, did, did you work uh, with anyone on, the, on that?
1: So I did almost all of it myself. But mm-hmm. then I have a buddy named Tom Donovan, who's a great artist and producer and writer himself. And uh, I sent it to him. And I asked him to play some guitar on it and mix the record, because while I'm getting pretty prolific at playing all the instruments, I don't mix very well. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes a lot of repetition. I just haven't had the hours behind the wheel. And I also feel like there's a benefit to having someone else's ears listen to your stuff, because I've been listening to it for 150 hours and I'm missing things. You know, I, I start to blank over the parts that aren't good. When he listens to it, he's listening to it fresh. So he'll immediately go, oh, I don't like that thing. So I had him mix it and play two guitar solos on it. And uh, he did a fantastic job. I think it really sounds good. Um, And yeah, so I liked getting Tom involved. And Tom's kind of my musical confidant anyway. Mm -hmm. um, For all my little insecurities, especially when I was building this studio because he has a nice studio at his house. Mm -hmm. I would kind of call him late at night and go, well, uh, I'm thinking about buying this keyboard. You know, what do you think? And he said, "Well, you know, the keys are really weighted on that, and you don't really play keyboards, so I don't know if your fingers are going to be able to push it down." And then he would have a suggestion, or he'd have a suggestion for monitors. He's a solid dude.
0: Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually still, you know, working on uh, putting uh, to, uh, putting together my my portable podcast uh, studio um and um i got a, like a soundboard and you know I'm, I'm running this off of a macbook but uh, i'm trying to find a, a good mic and uh, you know right now i'm kind of leaning towards the uh uh the jetties um they have one that that seems like it's pretty pretty good uh do you have any kind of equipment that you would uh recommend for
1: podcasting yeah uh, the jennies are probably that's a good pick you know um some of the podcasts i've done where i've been in studio uh you know it's like working in radio the the sure sm7 is like the standard microphone for this kind of thing for just capturing a plain clear flat voice mm-hmm. the sure sm7 well what you're talking about is probably not far off and um would probably do the job for not as much money yeah um I think it's funny. I've I've done nine podcasts now. I never, I don't think I've done it the same way twice. Yeah. One, yeah. one guy just kind of set his phone down and hit voice memo hmm. and I went, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, this is how we'll do it. Then he ended up later and it sounded all right. And then, uh, you know, I've been to one studio where it was just really my mic- microphones dangling from the ceiling and there was a room mic and like, it was very professional. And, uh, um i think i've just done it every way you can do it so um i think the important thing would be to be able to get a clear uh definition between the host and the and the guest because it would be a shame if you went back and listened to your podcast and the host was like really loud and the guest was kind of a muffled afterthought or vice versa Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and that's actually why why i got that uh that soundboard um yeah because uh you know, I'll be able to you know plug the laptop in it, um, and connect a uh, a headset and and a mic and um, and uh, I'm gonna get uh, the one of the reasons why I picked that Yeti is it's not just a, a, a USB mic, but it's a it was it XLR. I remember yeah, that. yeah. So uh, so I think that will come in a really handy and. Uh, that's that's something I, I think, you know, other podcasters should you know think about as well.
1: Absolutely. And are you working in GarageBand or Logic?
0: Um, I am trying to figure those out right now. I'm using um Audacity.
1: Okay. Well, if you slide over to GarageBand um, or at least take a look at it, uh, I don't know if you're working in a Mac, but. Mm-hmm you can use GarageBand on your phone or iPad Mm -hmm. and they make iOS based recording interfaces. Mm -hmm. So you would be able to take your phone out and plug your microphone into your phone Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and use GarageBand. So as you're traveling, you would just have a mixer right on your phone. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay,
1: And you would be able to mix as you go. You would be able to edit from your iPhone or from your iPad. Mm-hmm. So, you would be a really self contained uh podcast studio. So, I just thought I'd bring that up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that sometimes for uh writing sessions. Mm-hmm. I'll set up two mics, and by the end of the session, I'll be able to give someone a little mix and demo mm-hmm. of their song that's pretty well that sounds okay, you know, so they can show it to other people,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and it beats carrying a big briefcase full of stuff everywhere I
0: go, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's that's the only thing about mine. Like, I'm I'm lucky that the uh, the soundboard I have is is uh, fairly small, um, mm-hmm. it's made actually specifically for podcasting. So um, so I could, uh, it's it's got like battery power, so I can go to uh like music festivals and concerts and whatever. Oh, and, that's cool. Uh, and uh, record anywhere through that soundboard. So.
1: Um, that's awesome. Uh, and then in Audacity, you can mix it later. Kind of mix it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cool. that's that's kind of my idea and, uh, you know, uh, you know, have it set up to like right now I'm actually uh, I got two recordings going on through zoom. And the other is a, is a um, just a little voice recorder. Uh, So I don't have to worry about, you know, problems with the, uh, with the audio, not recording right on one of two, one of the devices. Right. Backup. Yeah.
1: That makes sense. I'm actually using um, my Bose sound suppressor headphones, the kind you fly with. Uh-huh. Um, I think they sound okay. I used them on another podcast. They sounded all right. Hmm. So, so that's what we're playing with today.
0: Cool. All right. So this, uh, this album, um, it comes out on uh, the 30th, right?
1: Yeah, March 30th.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, are there... Any tracks that kind of mean a lot to you on that uh, album?
1: No, I don't care about any of these tracks. <laughs> uh, yeah. So when I started writing this record, so I was making the the, I was making the kind of synth pop record that I'd made before. And as I'm doing that, I'm also zoom writing with friends who are in the quarantine, and then I'm writing personally for myself on the other side. So I got kind of three mindsets at the same time, and my dad passed a couple of years ago, and having these Zoom meetings with my siblings, it was starting to get talked about a lot, like his absence, how he died, um, his life, and and I have two different sets of half-sisters who are kind of a lot older than me, um, and so like we all, we had like three different dads, but they're all the same guy. Mm-hmm. So I started really reflecting on that and I started kind of journaling about it. And I started writing this record kind of based on living in Michigan and what I'd seen. But the first song I wrote for it was uh, Lime Lake road, which mm-hmm. is kind of the story about my dad. When he died, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't able to take care of himself, but he wouldn't tell anybody. And so when he went into the hospital and we stopped by the house to get some things for him, you know, when we saw how he was living, it was pretty shocking.
0: Yeah. So I kind of
1: just addressed it on that song and I, I really thought about that a lot. And then on the other songs, I started kind of writing about other things I'd seen in Michigan. Uh, you know, things that I cherish, things that I remember from my childhood that I really love, things that I, I think are a big problem um, you know, and there's songs like about my wife and there's so, there's other songs. It's not all just death and morbid, and morbid stuff. Mm-hmm. it's there's good stuff too, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, that was kind of the that song was kind of the start of this wanting to write something that was very personal mm-hmm. and really uh, focus on that. because in Nashville, you don't write a lot of personal music because you're always writing with someone else. And so if you make things very personal, it kind of leaves them on the bubble. <laughs> hmm um so yeah so and then of course uh, march 30th is my dad's birthday so i thought that would be a fitting release
0: date oh yeah oh yeah uh, i mean uh it's it, it sounds like he he had like a massive impact in your life which um you know i think all dads do anyway but uh, i mean with with this album coming out it uh, I th- i think it uh is gonna kind of help you you know move forward a little bit because you know i've lost family as well and it's it's tough and it, it kind of sticks with you for a while
1: well yeah and when my dad passed you know i drove up to the hospital and said goodbye to him and like immediately jumped in a tour bus and went back on tour mm. um and then continued the to tour and continued to go and i went to his memorial and i jumped in an airplane and went back on tour so uh this was kind of the first time I really had a chance to sit and really reflect on the idea that, you know, him and his life and talk to people about it. And not just his life but my life uh, prior to being car to bus the planes to bus the car, you know, like just this constant motion that I I've been in for 20 years. I'd never really thought about it before. And, and so having that moment to think about it probably really helped bring around this album. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, well, uh, I'm going to ask you one more question. Um, so uh, in the Nashville area, is, is anything, uh, you know, like opening up already? Are, are you able to, like, play anywhere? Or are you just kind of waiting a bit longer uh, to see how it goes?
1: Um, it's pretty wide open here right now, mm-hmm. uh, just as, as recently as this weekend. Hmm. It's pretty wide open. Uh, the bear removed a lot of limitations. And so now it's, uh, you know, they can, um, I think they work at, at full or half capacity at least. And, uh, people can kind of move around and dance a little bit. So it's pretty, uh, <laughs> it's pretty wide open right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that, uh, I'm a little choosy about where I work mm-hmm. because I, I get, I get a little nervous with the with the COVID thing. I had COVID in July, mm-hmm. and I've had all my vaccinations, but I don't want to encourage people to make poor judgment oh, yeah. and, and to make poor decisions. I certainly don't want them to get sick.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And people should uh, really be cautious because I, I don't know if you heard this in the news, but uh, recently in Georgia, uh, they found a, a variant that uh, the uh, vaccine doesn't, help against
1: i haven't seen that yeah. but um it doesn't it doesn't surprise me and what's going to happen is we're going to end up somewhere between the vaccine and natural immunity and uh you know that's just going to be how this thing settles is uh no one's going to be 100 percent safe ever but right. we're going to have enough of a fighting chance that we will be able to have lives
0: yeah but i, I agree. mean I agree if you her. look
1: yeah yeah if you look yeah. at it from an American standpoint, this all seems ridiculous. If mm-hmm. you live in China, they've been wearing masks for the last 20 years. They just live like that. Yeah. That's kind of how they are. Mm-hmm. And it's not like a government rule. They just are very aware mm-hmm. of disease and, and airborne colds, and they have very busy lives. So they just do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So I, I try to keep that in perspective.
0: Yeah. And, and it's it's uh it's, it's the mindset of, you know it's protecting the other people from you, you know? Right. And so that's, that's why it's so important that, that people, you know, wear the masks as much as they can.
1: True. And I, I have, um, both my, both my vaccination shots. Um, so I try to be aware of that and be just aware of, um, that I'm a bit of a buffer, between other people and the disease when I'm out. So if I behave responsibly, I could be, a, uh, you know, someone that the disease will affect less. And I'll be someone that doesn't carry it as far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to be aware of that. I just try to be very aware. i very cognizant of um, of how the disease is hurting people oh, yeah. and not try to be of well, these people just throws it to the wind.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's the best way to be uh, because – I mean with this, with this virus, I mean it's been a year and there's still you know a bunch of unknowns. So it's we right. to be cautious. So. Uh, well, uh, was there anything else that you'd like to highlight or or any social media that you'd like people to check out? Oh
1: sure. I think the best place to get me on social media is definitely my Instagram, which is arrogance base, uh, one word. And, uh, I post a lot of pictures of cats. So that's a, that's a highlight of that, but also, uh, you know, um, that's where I put all my dates and when I put music out and I put videos out, you can find them on there. And, um, also, uh, I'm having a contest on there right now with Taryn Papa from the voice and we're giving away a package on March 30th, Hmm. uh, some t-shirts and koozies and stuff. So if you go and like me on social media, please like me, uh, you'll be entered and I can, uh, I can give it away. So then, uh, there's that, and then ChristopherGriffisMusic.com uh, is is my music website, and all the music's up there. My merch is up there, and tour dates and whatnot. So that's kind of how you that's how you get a hold of me.
0: Well, it sounds uh, like there's a there's a lot of places to go, and uh, uh, whenever you start touring, I, I really want everyone to uh, to go check you out, and definitely, you know, pick up that album on the thirtieth.
1: Yeah, so where are you located?
0: I'm actually in South Georgia. Um, it's a town called Valdosta. Uh,
1: oh, uh, well, the Electric Rodeo was the bar in Valdosta, right? Electric. Something like that?
0: No, 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 not an Electric Rodeo, but th- there's a small venue called uh, Ashley Street Station um, that a lot of artists uh, play at. Uh, over the years, there was a um, a couple like rock and country Uh, bars but they're all closed
1: um no i've played i played ashley street station okay i played i played you guys had a mellow mushroom for a little while i played there Mm -hmm. and then um i'm pretty sure there was like a big line dancing bar that i played i don't Mm -hmm. remember what it was called it was i want to say it was the electric rodeo but it might have been called something else Mm -hmm. but there was like a big line dancing bar that i played there once Mm -hmm. and the dj would just blare hip-hop in between all our country songs
0: oh that that almost sounds like a rock and rodeo
1: Rock and Rodeo—that's what it was. Yeah, Yeah. that's where I was. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, when I first moved to Nashville, we go to Valdosta quite a bit. Mm -hmm. We do like Valdosta, Dothan, Savannah, then back up to Augusta, Atlanta. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I, I I, miss wearing those jeans. Yeah, well, you know, I miss the Rock and Rodeo days. Like, like that building's not even there anymore. So it's 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 just a memory now. So
1: I um you know it's been so long since I've been in a bar where people were smoking yeah and that was kind of one of those places where uh like whiskey river like cowboys like country club Mm -hmm. where like people would smoke a lot and it always just kind of seemed weird to me and I'd always have to get home and like steam clean my entire suitcase
0: yeah (laughs) yeah I tend to try to gravitate to the places where people don't smoke, but like inside of Valdosta, there is a a totally separate town. It's called Remerton, mm-hmm. and, and the the rules are different there. So um, so people smoke in all of the bars in the <laughs> in Valdosta. Um, you know, a lot of the bars don't even allow smoking inside anymore. So
1: I haven't been in a while. I've been to Valdosta a minute, but um. You know, just one of those things, Uh, you know, just touring around and going to these little tiny bars. And I like to think about them when I'm playing somewhere like the Grand Ole Opry. I'm like, man, you remember that time that our drummer fell off the mechanical bull and broke his arm? So we had to kind of both play kick and I had on stage during the sets because he he couldn't play, (laughs) Hmm. you know, so we think about things like that all the time. Uh, Cool, man. Awesome. Well, if I'm in Valdosta, I'll uh, I'll get you some tickets. We'll we'll hang out a little
0: bit. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's let's definitely do that. Cool. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast. And if there's nothing else, I'm gonna let you go.
1: All right, man. I'll uh, see you on the flip side.
0: All right. All right, you have a great day.
1: All right, take care.
0: All right, bye.